Kia ora, and welcome back to Vulnerable Spaces Project. I am your host, Sarah Raya. I would like to start this episode by just apologising that I haven't been releasing episodes every week. That definitely was my intention. However, after releasing the last episode, I just need a little bit of space, a little bit of self-care with just how heavy that was, and just knowing that this next episode is just as heavy, um, if not a little bit heavier, and... The repercussions that are going to come from this episode, I've just had to sit and ponder and feel and just know that I have to do this in my own time. Um, so yeah, I, I do apologise that they weren't weekly for a little bit there and in the future if I'm not posting weekly it's probably because it was a heavy episode and I just need a little bit of time to gather my thoughts, gather my feelings, get back into a routine and then think about the next episode. I don't want to be releasing these episodes to help people and to be there for people but then have it hinder my own mental health um, because then I won't be able to be there for you guys in the way that I want to be. So trigger warning for this episode just like I have on most of my episodes but this yeah, th this episode covers a few topics, I guess. So we're continuing on from the last episode that I dropped um, about that party that I went to and everything that happened there. So yeah, we'll just jump straight into it, I guess. So a few weeks after that party that I went to, I went to another party. And this party, it was just a sober party, just a few of us hanging out sort of thing. But I ended up having an asthma attack. I have quite bad asthma and I had run out of my inhaler, unfortunately. So I got my mum to pick me up and she took me to the hospital to get them to sort it out, I guess, and get everything under control. But on our way to the hospital, I started hyperventilating and it was just really scary. I was freaking out. I didn't know what was going on. And once we got to the hospital, they put me on a nebulizer, which they do every time I have an asthma attack. Um, and even though this helped, it was, it was really bizarre because every time I fell asleep, I would also hyperventilate. Um, and I would end up waking myself up because I was just breathing so heavily and I wasn't sure what was going on. And lots of the nurses were like, we've never seen this before, which obviously didn't help my brain. <laughs> um, so that was super scary, but they didn't really tell me what was going on and... They took me up to a different floor, so I, I finally left the ER and they took me up to this other floor and it was quite late at night by this point, probably like 11pm, maybe midnight, and I think there was maybe like one other patient on that floor um, and just two nurses kind of sitting at that reception-y bit. Um, and again, I fell asleep um, only just, like maybe a minute or two, and two policemen walk into the room um, and I was like what the heck is going on like obviously they woke me up and they told me that they wanted to interview me um, and initially I didn't want to go because I wanted my mum with me and I kept telling them that I will say the same answer whether my mum is there or not um, but but they wouldn't let that happen and so yeah they, they took me into another room so there's a 15-year-old girl who had literally been raped 
a month prior, I guess, um, went into a confined room with two strange adult males. Um, obviously, I'd never met them before. And yes, like I, I believe that police are good people. Um, well, they've, they've treated me with respect before. But yeah, just having two strange men tell me that I have to go into a room with them um, was very intimidating for me, I guess. And all I wanted was my mum with me. And so once I got into the room, they asked me questions like, is there family violence at home? Do you do drugs? Are you suicidal? Um, all those sort of questions. And I, I told them all the answers. No, I don't do drugs. No, there's no violence at home. Suicidal, sometimes, yes, sometimes no. Depression, yes. Just went through kind of everything that they asked. And, um, yeah, there, there was just like a whole list of questions. And then they finally let me go back to my mum. Um, and after they talked to the nurses after that, they decided that I need to be checked out by a psychiatrist um, at Princess Margaret Hospital. So I got put on the urgent wait list, and then we finally got an appointment. We went in, and it was really good. Um, however, the process leading up to going to Princess Margaret wasn't that good, those weeks leading up to it. And so I started to experience sleep paralysis. And if you don't know what this is, it's probably easiest to Google it. I guess the way that I would explain it is it's essentially a nightmare, but it feels very real. Your eyes are open, you're awake, you can see your surroundings. So say I was in my bedroom, I'd be able to see everything in my bedroom. However, I would see a shadowy figure or a person or something. I'm not too sure what, like it's different for everybody. And you can't move your body, you can't scream, you can't get anybody's attention. And I, I would probably have five to six episodes a night, seven times a week. So I was shattered. I was absolutely shattered. And my main reoccurring um, sleep paralysis nightmare was just a male suffocating me and then burying me alive. And I would wake up and I genuinely couldn't breathe and I was freaking out and I was just like my chest was heavy and my throat was heavy and it just felt like there was something on there and like there, there, there were lots of other dreams that I had as well but they all included like a male suffocation dying and yeah it, it was really really scary and now it probably happens once a year if I'm lucky well, not if I'm unlucky, I guess. Um, but yeah, so it, it definitely went from five to six times a night. Slowly got down to like two or three times a night, and then like two or three times a week, once a week, once a month. Um, and that was all through my counselling as well, but we'll kind of go into that later on in my journey. Um, but after all of this sort of happened... Um, I started dating a boy that I met from primary school and the start of our relationship was really really awesome he would you know buy me little gifts as like little teenagers do um, we'd go out on dates we had similar interests my family loved him his family loved me um, yeah yeah and so we we lived together for a little bit and it was really really cool and you know like come home from work and we get to cuddle and watch movies and just all of those exciting honeymoon sort of feelings I guess um, but as time went on he started to drink more and more and he started acting like an invincible teenage boy I guess you could put 
So, you know, with the way that he drove and smoking and drinking and getting into fights and all of that stuff. Um, yeah, he, he was just an invincible teenage boy, I guess. And so at this point he started to become more aggressive. And it just started off as emotional abuse. Um, he would call me names, wouldn't let me see my friends, whether they were male or female. Um, I'd have to text him every five to ten minutes just to prove that I wasn't cheating on him, that I was, you know, still talking to him, rah, rah, rah. And then we would just, he would get into fights with people all the time. You know, if we went out to town and he'd had too much to drink, he would pick a fight. Or whatever was going on, there was always a fight, you know, at the bar, at this, at that. Um, even at the local pub, you know, like it was just always fighting. And he would yell and he would belittle me. And I, I remember this one night, he, he had about a box of Corona, um, which was pretty standard for him. And he came home to bed and he was just really, really angry. And he, he told me that he was going to kill me. And that was terrifying. And he started to choke me and I genuinely felt... Like I was going to die. I, I was so scared. And obviously that didn't help with the sleep paralysis that I just explained to you guys. But the only way that I got out of it was I managed to get him off me by punching him in the face. Um, and I've never been a violent person. I still don't consider myself a violent person. Um, to me that was self-defense and I still stick by that. And... After this, he apologised, um, realised that he was in the wrong, and I forgave him. And looking back on it now, it was just so stupid of me, but once you're in that, and once you have that trauma bond with an aggressive partner, it's really hard to see your self-worth, because I thought that that's what I deserved. Um, and I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Perks of Being a Wallflower, but they talk about you accept the love that you think that you deserve. And that's what I thought I deserved at that point. Um, obviously with everything else that had happened in my life as well. And so there were lots of incidents like that. I guess never quite to the point of telling me that he was going to kill me. But, you know, he smashed three of my phones by throwing them at the ground. And by throwing them at the ground, I mean onto the carpet. But he threw them so hard that obviously the concrete under the carpet smashed them. And, like, if I tried to walk away from an argument or say, can we talk about this later, like, we need to calm down, whatever it was, he would, like, grab me and he would leave, like, bruises on my arms. And there was another time at his his brother's place, I think it was, and he had told me by this point that he'd stopped smoking and all that jazz. And I was like, cool, sweet as. And I was sober driving for them. So it was him, his brother, um, and his sister-in-law and me. I was sober driving because obviously with um, my health issues, which I'll go into next episode, I didn't really want to be driving, uh, drinking, sorry. And so, yeah, I, I was just always sober driver, which I enjoyed. And, yeah, so he went outside because he said, hey, my brother's going to go have a cigarette. And, like, can I go outside with him? I was like, yeah, of course. Um, I do that with my friends too. You know, I, I'm not a smoker, but I'll go outside with them. And they were taking ages. And I was like, I wonder what time we're going to town. So I went outside and I saw him take the cigarette out of his mouth, put it down and put it out. And I was like, what the fuck, man? Like, you literally just told me on the way here that you weren't smoking. Like, if you are, all good and fine, but like, just don't lie to me. And he was like, no, 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 I wasn't smoking, I wasn't smoking. Um, my brother just asked me to put it out for him. 
And I was like, well, that's weird. You don't finish a cigarette, pass it to your brother and be like, hey, can you put this out for me? Like, that's just bizarre. And I was like, I also saw smoke come out of your mouth. Like, what's going on? He's like, no, no, it's just because it's cold. And I was like, okay, well, why is there not smoke coming out of your mouth now? Like, if it's just cold, then it should still be coming out of your mouth, you know? Um, so anyway, I was like, look, I'm, I'm not here for the lies. You guys can, you know, Uber to town, taxi to town, whatever, but I'm going to go home. And because his brother's house was the opposite side of town to me. Um, and he followed me down the driveway and I was like, please get away from me. I just, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be around you. I just need to go home. Um, and at this point he grabbed me by my throat and pinned me up against a fence and my feet weren't touching the ground, apparently my lips were changing colours um, and I was trying to get out of it, trying to get out of it. Finally got out of it um, and he was like, no, nah, I'm coming home with you, rah, rah, And so eventually I let him in my car and then we got home, had a bit more of an argument and then um, the next morning I took him out for breakfast because he convinced me that I was in the wrong and that I had to apologise. And I guess that's where the narcissism comes in and that trauma bond that I was talking about before is, you know, you, you think that you're in the wrong. They make you believe that what you did was wrong and that they're right and you feel so little and, like, you don't have a voice and that's exactly what that situation was. I thought that I was going to die that night and that was really, really scary. Um... So yeah, like, like I mentioned before, I got really, really unwell um, for about two years and I had some severe abdominal pain and nausea that lasted, yeah, two, two and a half years. I couldn't sleep, I couldn't exercise as much as I wanted to. I was in and out of hospital almost weekly. I was taking 25 plus pills a day um, just to keep on top of the pain and the nausea and all the different symptoms that I had. I tried all of the different diets to see if that would help. I had a 35% attendance rate for my last year of high school, um, which was a brand new school, so that was really, really hard. I was also working part-time and covering other people's shifts, because um, people would call in sick, so even though I was going through everything that I was, I'd still show up. Um, and eventually, after so many discussions with the doctors and surgeons and my gynecologist and all of that, um, I eventually convinced my surgeon to remove my appendix. Um, and that helped, but yeah, like, like I said, I'll go into that later on um, in the next episode. But while I was in and out of hospital, my ex-partner thought that I was faking it all. You know, that I was just doing it for attention, that I was trying to... That he, he genuinely told me that he thought that when my mum took me to the hospital, that she was taking me to other boys' house so that I could cheat on him and then would bring me home. And I was like, I'm not going to make my mother drop me at an, off at another male's house, go do what we do, and then drop me home. Like, no, we were at the hospital. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Um, but, yeah, and so I guess as, in quotations, most teenage boys do, he had needs. Um, and so if I said no to having sex with him because I was sore or I didn't feel well or I was nauseous or... I was just shattered from being in hospital all night or whatever it might be. Um, either we would still have sex because I didn't really have a say in this relationship. And if this was the case, a lot of the time I would be silently crying. Um, and he could see that. He could see that I was crying. But he would, 
make sure that he finished and did whatever he did um, and I just wait for it to end I guess or alternatively my other option was he would make me get naked and just stand there um, looking at him while he would please himself and I'd just stand there naked, vulnerable and again just cry silently until he had finished and then I was allowed to go to sleep and this messed me up for a while you know after that I definitely looked at myself as an object um, I eventually broke up with him which was good and at that point our relationship wasn't bad nothing bad had happened in about a month um, but but I finally realized that this wasn't going to change this was you know his behavior pattern and that we weren't going to get anywhere with the way that he was acting and so I broke off that relationship and you know apparently he was super upset after it and he you know was crying and wasn't eating and he was vomiting and he was losing weight and to be f to be completely honest I didn't care you know um, I just deleted him off everything just decided that you know that's that's it that's you out of my life I changed my bedroom at my parents place to the other bedroom I took all of our photos off the walls I took all of his stuff back the next day to his um, parents place so that he was just completely out of my life and that was probably one of the bravest things that I ever did and I didn't tell my family that this had happened um, I opened up to my sister probably three or four years after it had happened um, yeah I got because I was scared and you know I, I didn't want them to be hurt that I'd been through that but I also didn't want to tell them when it was happening and yeah it's, it's a really scary place to be in an abusive relationship and now I don't hold anything ill against this person um, he's not in my life I don't talk to him I don't see him I haven't seen him in a very long time if I ever do see him I give him the cold shoulder um, I just don't look at him at all but yeah like like he he went through his own things and I hope that whatever it is he is healed from um, I'm not sharing this podcast to get revenge I'm sharing this podcast to help people who might be in the same situation or a similar situation to know that they're not alone and if they need advice to leave this situation then I'm here for people um, but I'm doing this for my healing as well you know I'm doing this just just to share my truth and to know that what I've been through I guess adversity builds resilience and I'm a very resilient person now and I got self-defense classes and I'm like especially when I go to the gym and stuff I know that I'm strong enough to defend myself and again like I said in the last episode if I could go back and do it again I would because I am who I am and yeah I, I hope that he heals from whatever it is that he's gone through and I hope that he learns a bit more respect one for himself but two for other people um but yeah I, I guess that's just that part of that journey for me um but again, I appreciate all of you for listening. I really appreciate the support. I'm sorry that this episode is a little bit later than what I had originally planned. Um, however, like I said, 
some episodes might have a few more gaps in between them than others, um, just given the severity of the story that I'm sharing. But I love you all, I appreciate you all, I hope you have a really wonderful week. Um, stay warm, it's slowly starting to get cold here in New Zealand. I know that I've got a few listeners overseas as well, so hope you're enjoying the weather over there. But yeah, I will chat to you guys next week. Thank you.